um, if you're anything like my family, you are getting together with friends and family and eating a lot, eating delicious food. Um, I am not a great cook. I don't know anything about spices and flavors and how they, you know, work together. It's not my thing. Um, Joel and Ben can tell you when I eat something like, oh, yeah, it's this spice, acting with that spice that makes it so delicious. And I'm looking at them like, right. It just tastes good. I know it tastes good. That's, that's the important part, right? Um, but what I do know, what I can tell, is when something's missing. There is one seasoning that I am all about, right? And it's a simple seasoning. It's salt. If there's not salt in the dish, I can at least pick that out. And I dump it on there, right? I put it on most things. If you ask Joel, he'll tell you to put it on everything, um, which may be true. Um, I love salt, and so I, I can at least know when that's missing. And I want to look today in the scripture where Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth, right? And we are the light of the world. So let's look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't know if you've noticed our uh, beautiful lamps. Tons of light up here. Um, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And I, I want to take a moment to think about why Jesus picked salt. Um, it is relatively a simple ingredient, right? Um, it's fairly common. But he picked it because it adds flavor, it preserves, it heals wounds, it melts coldness. And so when you look at those attributes of salt and um, think about the Christian life that we are supposed to live, I think it's rather fitting. Jesus said that we followers of Christ, true believers, are the salt of the earth. And I believe we can um, enhance the lives of those around us in four ways. A life built on Christ has the ability to enhance the lives of people around them. I'm sure you know that living a godly life is far from mundane. A life built on Christ has the ability to preserve holiness within this fallen world we live, to melt through the cold bitterness of this world, and to be instrumental in healing wounds caused by sin and sickness in this world. What power we have in living a salty life, in living a life that is um, made strong by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus then said, though, that if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. It's worthless. It'll be trampled underfoot. We have to take a moment and note the seriousness of those words here. That if we allow our lives to become saltless, right? Which means if we allow our lives to um, not have the power of the Holy Spirit in them, we are not yielding to the power that lives within us, our testimony becomes worthless. People can trample on it. People will look at our lives and see that we are not living a godly lifestyle. And what good is it? If you look just like me, if you live the way I live, if you talk the way I talk, you're not any different. You're not living with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a moment with you and look at this umbrella. I didn't bring any salt. I thought I probably shouldn't make you eat something salty, right? So we'll take a moment to look at the umbrella. An umbrella is good if it 
keeps the rain off you, the snow, the sun, right? If it ceases to do that, it ceases to become effective. So we're going to take this umbrella and think of it as our testimony. I think they'll like this one better. better. It's his old company. I think you like that. We'll use this one. So we're going to talk about this as our, our testimony, right? When it's intact, right, when it's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it works. But when we make compromising decisions, it's like placing holes in an umbrella or slits in an umbrella. All right, apparently I should have... Oh, there we go. Maybe I should have pre-cut holes. I don't know. (laughs) All right, if I stab myself up here, just... Emily's a nurse. She'll take care of me. Em, you standing by? All right, good. That's right, we have Mrs. Ward, too. We have lots of nurses. We're safe, guys. I'm safe up here. All right, but the point is that when we start making decisions that are not godly, right? And it might be something simple. It might be, um, for those of you who are into social media, right? It might be something that you like or that you favorite or that you retweet. But if it's not separate from this world, right? It looks like the rest of the world. You kind of put holes in your testimony. And then your testimony becomes useless. Because then you look like the rest of the world. You have blended in with them. They can't look at your life as seasoned with salt, as seasoned with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they would look at you and say, you look the same as me. It becomes ineffective. This is not going to work out in the rain, right? No one's going to want this umbrella if I offer it to them. It starts raining. It's snowing, right? The implications that Christ is making here is that our testimony becomes worthless when we do not live in the power when we do not walk in the We're living in a culture that is sick and tired. That might sound harsh, but if you're in the workplace that's in a worldly place, you will know that people do not want to hear it. They don't want to hear that you're a Christian. And it's not because of God. It is absolutely not because of the living God. It's because of saltless Christians. Christians who will claim God with their mouth and then live a life that does not point to Their testimonies have become trampled on. They look at their lives and they see that they are ineffective for living for Christ. I want you to think about the choices that you make and um, why you make them. Are you trying to fit in? Are you trying to um, blend with the world so that you don't stand out? Really, our goal is to stand out. Jesus said we should look different than this world. We should be aliens in this world, right? We're not supposed to try to fit in with them, look the way they look, dress the way they dress, talk the way they talk post the things they post. It's just not how it's supposed to be. We're either encouraging others towards the relationship with Christ 
or discouraging them from relationship with Christ by, by what we do. Jesus called us to live holy lives. In 1 Peter 1, 13-16, it says, and this is the message version, so it'll sound a little different than what you have in the Bible. So roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. I love the words there. A life that's shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Those are words that catch your attention, right? If our lives are blazing with holiness, will we not get some attention? I think so. God has mandated us to live separate from the world, apart, set apart. We're supposed to be noticeably different. And I think it's no mistake that right before this section on salt and light, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be persecuted, right? We're going to be made fun of. We're going to be mocked. He let us know right up front that's going to happen. So be prepared for it. Don't be shocked when the world looks at us and thinks we're kind of weird. In verses 11 and 12, right before the salt and light section, it says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For great is the reward that awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Our goal should be to stand out, but we should not stand out because we are condemning the world, because we are speaking against them and and persecuting them. We should stand out because we're living holy lives. And they can look at us and see the difference. I think that Silent reverence can speak a lot louder than public picket lines that are full of hate and anger and judgment. If we will just live holy lives, God's light shines through us. And we have that power of the Holy Spirit. So in thinking about light, I want to take a moment and talk to you about my daughter, Abigail. She, like most babies, probably, loves light. And I'm talking she will find any type of light anywhere, um, no matter when. Uh, It's typically when I'm trying to put her to bed, and I'm very tired myself and wanting to go to sleep. But she will find anything. So in our room, I try to keep it all dark, and all the lights are off, and um, she's just slipping off to sleep, but then she'll kind of get alert and look around and twist her head and contort her body any way possible to just find even the slightest light, like under the door, you know, the slit under the door. Now, the whole light's not even on. I'm talking light that's coming from downstairs in our house, somehow making its way up to our bedroom door where she's finding it. I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, but she will find it. She loves lamps, light fixtures, cell phones. Christmas lights were a big hit this year. Uh, she even finds the little, tiny little on light on her vaporizer in her room. I mean, it's like tiny, right? This morning, she was looking in my office at the telephone. There's a little red light saying that I have a message. She would not stop looking at that. I'm trying to, like, use 
up? No. Twist her body? Think I'm going to fall? Drop her? Carry. But she loves light, right? And, and that is annoying when I'm trying to put her to bed and, you know, quiet her down. But it does remind me of the beauty of light. That once there is light, darkness is gone, right? So darkness cannot overpower light. It can't dispel the light. But even the tiniest bit of light totally dispels darkness. It's gone. Once there's any type of light, darkness is gone. That's the beauty of light. That's the beauty of God's light in us. That we can be the light that dispels the darkness in this cold, dark world that is broken and done. We have been placed here by God to bring light. Let me read you the the message version of, of this passage. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness, you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with it. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father so God puts us on display for all the world to see and it should be no surprise because he tells us you're out there I want people looking at you so think of your own life do you want people looking at you does your life reflect Christ our influence in the world shapes our decisions. Sometimes our influence by the world shapes our decisions. Are we slowly, little by little, dimming the light of Christ in us? Now, some of you might argue that's a little much. Slow down there, Jesus. I'm not going to think about every decision I make and place under the authority of God. That's, that's a little much. Kind of ridiculous. I don't think it is. I think that's exactly what he's trying to tell us. That we have to consider every decision. We have to take it into consideration of how it looks to the world. And I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying put on a smile all the time. But I'm saying to think about the consequences of what you put out there. Again, if you're into social media... When you like something or retweet it or favorite it, is it different than your friends that are not believers? Or is it the same exact thing they do? So if you like all the same things that they like, how are they, how are they pointed to Christ? When they say, well, we're the same. I'm just like you. You're not any different than me, so why would I need this God you talk about? What does he do that's so different? You look the same as me. I want to bring up humor because I 
I love to laugh. I tell our kids downstairs all the time, I love to have fun. I really do. Sometimes you might not think so because I'm trying to keep you quiet. But I really do love to have fun. I love to laugh. But humor is kind of a dangerous thing in our world um, because it shows up in our culture all the time in movies and in TV shows and uh, just everything that's out there. And so I want you to think for just a second, just one area of your life, which is humor. Um, think about the TV shows you've watched this week or the conversations you've had, the jokes you've made, the jokes you've laughed at. Are those things pleasing to God? Or are they things we really shouldn't be laughing at because when you think about the implications of what is being joked about, it's ungodly, it's hurtful, um, it's not uplifting. That's something I have to work on in my life. The things that I laugh at, the things that I allow into my, my mind when it comes to humor. And that's just one area. One area of my life that I know I've got to get that under the control of the Holy Spirit. Think for a second, too, of not just, um, not just big public arenas like social media, but think about your inner life, your thoughts, um, your motivations for things. Are you motivated by yourself, what's good for me, or are you motivated by what's good for others? Because that, too, will be an indication to you whether you're living a life powered by the Holy Spirit or not. Do your words and actions show people that we're living with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that exciting? Spirit of the living God lived in us. How can we not be different? If that is true, if you guys believe that, that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, how can you not look different than this world? So now that we've looked at the scriptures in Matthew and we can see salt and light, should I switch? Is it bugging you? We've looked at scriptures in Matthew. We know we're supposed to be salt and light. So we have a pretty good understanding of what Jesus is saying about believers, right? We're called to be salt, full of season, that will affect those around us. Because like in dishes, salt affects the flavor. It enhances the flavor, in my opinion. Um, light, right? It's not easily quenched. You cannot just cover it up with darkness. As long as there's a little bit there, it takes over. So how do we apply this? To our daily lives? How do we take that and look at it and, and make it real? Because there is hope. Let me not just stand up here and, and beat you over the head with, hey, you might not be making the right choices. That is reality, right? That we might not be making the right choices. But I'm not going to end there. I'm not going to leave you discouraged. I want you to think as we're coming into this new year of maybe reprioritizing your choices. Maybe you do need to take a hard look at, at what you're doing, saying, liking, and that's okay. I think that that's valid. But let's take a, a look at, at how we're going to do that. The hope that we have. To remain steadfast 
and to be a light in this dark world for people, how do we do that? How are we examples of holiness? I believe the question can be summed up in one word, and that's sanctification. We as believers make the choice to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and there's that instantaneous sanctification when we accept salvation. When we acknowledge we're sinners, and we accept that free gift of salvation, we're instantaneously sanctified. But it doesn't end there. It's a lifelong process of the Holy Spirit drawing us away from evil into godly lifestyles, making godly choices. Um, sanctification, I'm sorry, I probably should have said this first, means to make holy, to set apart, to consecrate, to purify. It is the act of moving from evil towards God. You'll notice in your outlines that um, there's a word in there that is not a word. Um, don't be confused. It is made up. It says, live sanctifiedingly. And the reason I chose to, to say that is because it's not just... Um, that one-time act. The Holy Spirit does sanctify us the moment we are saved. So they're sanctified. But then it's a lifelong process. So that's why I threw the ing on there, right? To remind you that it keeps going. And then you kind of need the L-Y, you know, because it just doesn't sound right, sanctifying. Is sanctifying? No. So I had to make it even more complicated and add the L-Y. But it's also to remind you that it's action, Right? We do not live a dull life when we're believers. It's full of life. It's full of action. It's full of excitement when the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So live sanctifiedly. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Don't just be done with that moment of conversion. Don't just stop there. Commit to hearing from God each and every day, moment by moment. That's what God gives us the Holy Spirit for. He didn't just say, be holy as I am holy. Now, good luck. I know you can't do it because you're not perfect. It's impossible. You're all sinners, so ha, ha, ha. He didn't do that. He gave us the Holy Spirit. As believers, we have to get excited about that. I mean, we have got to be so overjoyed that we have the Holy Spirit, that it cannot be hidden. That we're so salty, right? And we're so bright with the light of Christ that lives in us that people cannot deny it. That people will start to crave relationships with Christians. They won't longer be frustrated by them or annoyed to hear, oh yeah, that person's a Christian. Let's change that. Can we change that, church? Let's start 2014 by making changes in our own lives so that when people hear that we're a Christian they will see Christ it won't just be some label that has lost its power they will see Christ in it in 1 John 3 the word says that all of us who have eager expectation of Christ's return will keep ourselves pure as he is pure it goes on to say that anyone who continues to live in Christ will not sin. But anyone who keeps sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So this doesn't mean that once we've accepted salvation, we never sin again. We know that's not possible. But what it does mean is that we are free from the control of sin. 
We no longer live lives that are dictated by the sinful desires, the worldly desires. We live a life that is controlled by our desire for Christ. No believer can ever truly say that they are free from sin. So please don't hear me say that you're not a true believer if you sin. That's not true. I sin every day. My family can tell you that. But we have hope. And that's the whole thing. It's a lifelong process, which I said before, and it continues to work in our life, but it requires our submission. When we submit, we give greater opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. We allow that cooperation and intimacy with Him to take place. And that's what changes us. Stanley Horton says that in addition to the Spirit's moment-by-moment cleansing, He also works to help us avoid sinning. Therefore, we can speak of a life process whereby God's holiness is made actual in our lives. It is not undoable. That's not a word either. I just like to make up words. So hopefully you're tracking with me. What I meant to say is it is doable, right? Um, Again, Jesus doesn't just say, be holy as I am holy and good luck. It's doable. God said it right here. But day by day, as we give him the power over our lives, we have the ability to be holy as he is holy. Don't be discouraged and say it's too hard. Can't do it. I've already ruined my testimony. I already have holes in it. People aren't going to believe me. I can change. If your testimony does look like this messed up umbrella, full of holes and full of compromise, things that you have decided to do or say or how to act, and people have called you out and said, your testimony's worthless. It means nothing to me because you look how I look. You act how I act. There's hope. We sang about it today. The grace that is never-ending. God's grace is always available. So no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how badly you've compromised, your testimony can look like this. It can be intact. You can fix it. Don't give up that hope. Yield to the Holy Spirit. That's what it takes. Maybe you said, I've kind of made compromises and my, my light's getting dim. Kind of turned off. There's not a bright light in me anymore. I can change. Don't give up just because you have made some poor decisions. It's worth it. It is worth it, church, to try again. To reach out for the grace and mercy that only God can give. He restores. First Peter 1.13 says, Roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. We don't know when Jesus is coming. But I know that it is going to happen. Christ is going to return. Will we be ready? 
Does anyone remember the old movie, Thief in the Night? Right? And this woman says to this other woman about this lady, well, you know, she's a Christian and she does this and that. And I remember this phrase and the lady goes, oh, Patty, anyone can say they're a Christian. And I was like, duh, she's not. <laughs> and I don't know why that stuck with me all these years, because that was, like, from the 80s. Um, but I, I keep that in mind, right? Because, you know what? Anyone can say they're a Christian, and that's what the saltless Christians look like, right? They claim it with their mouths. They don't live it with their lives. And then you have people out there saying, eh, anyone can say they're a Christian, right? We live in a Christian nation. What does that mean? Doesn't God we trust on our money? Good deal. Let's not have that said of us. Please don't have people looking at your lives and saying, anyone can say that. Their life doesn't match what the Bible says. They're not very Christ. As we move towards starting another year, I want some time now to examine, right? To look at our own lives. Be real with yourselves in these next few moments when we're going to take some time to respond. Don't cut yourself short. Tell yourself short. Take the time to be serious and to really consider what it is that you might be compromising. It might be something small. It might not be these outward displays of things that you like or the way you speak. Right? It might be the inner, the heart, right? Motivations of why you do things. Whether you want the praise or you're trying to give it to God. That's just as damaging. That is just as unholy as public Are your testimonies worthless because of the choices that you're making day after day? Or are you shining brightly for all to see God in you? I know I've said this before, but I, I believe it's perfect for what we're focusing on today. Tim Keller. He said that we are to be distinct from the world for the world. So that when the world sees us living in a way that is different than the world, they'll be able to see what life could look like under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're to be distinct from the world for the world. That is why God has called us to be salt and light. Not just because it's kind of cool. Not just because he thought it was a neat analogy. Does salt taste good? Christians are supposed to taste good? No. We're supposed to be really bright you know, keep your skin nice and fresh looking. No. He said it because he wants us to be the example of God. When the world is sick and dying and in darkness, we are supposed to be the opposite. We are supposed to shine with the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God in us. In a moment, we're going to have um, a song play. And during the song, I'd like you to take time to, again, individually evaluate where you're at. Consider your thoughts, words, actions, both public and private. 
Some of you like to write or even draw in response. That's fine. Some of you might take time to just pray or sing the song. But whatever you decide to do, I want you to decide to not walk out of here without making a decision. Please commit to that. Make a decision. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't let your light start to fade or lose your saltiness to be steadfast. Decide to either follow Christ, maybe for the first time you've made that decision, or decide to yield to the Holy Spirit. Decide to live a sanctifyingly life. When the song's over, I, I will close this in prayer, and I'm going to have the worship team come back up so we can remain in an attitude of worship and prayer for those who want to keep praying at the altar or at their seats. But this is what I want you to think about while you're listening to this song and, and responding to Christ's call on your life. This new year of 2014, what will you need to change about how you live? What areas do you need to take a hard look at to determine whether you're living by the world's standard or God's
Father's time now to, um, to make this real. To take the um, seriousness of being salt and light to this broken, broken world and, and make a commitment, right? The last few days of this year and for next year. Please don't rush out of here. I've given us plenty of time to spend in prayer. Maybe it's finding your accountability partner if they're here and letting them know what it is that you need to work on or just making it real with God. Just an individual time of committing change. Committing to be the light that shines in the dark world. So as the worship team plays, please pray in your seats or up here at the altar. Our prayer team will be up here to pray with you if that's what you need. So let's, let's be real. Let's not just rush out into the things that we're so used to doing. Show us the areas of our lives that we have compromised in. That we have yielded more to the world's standards than to your own. Whether they're big changes that we need to make, God, or tiny ones, I pray that we would commit to do that. And that we would rely on the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We have victory in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will claim that. We will stand on the truth of your word that says we are more than conquerors. We will be the light on the hill for this dark world. Thank you for the power to do that. Thank you that you don't just leave us here. Change us, God, from the inside out, we pray. In Jesus' name.